All right, well then let's get started. Great. Hello and welcome to episode two, Major League Boys. Today is Saturday, March 5th. We got Ty and Andrew here today. And uh, guess what? Every, every single baseball fan's fucking pissed off. <laughs> First day we start the podcast. <laughs> the last uh, day we get any sort of content. <laughs> We're gonna do opening NFL day is it? NFL canceled. Yeah. yeah. And uh, opening day is officially canceled, and so are the first two full series of the season for the Giants. It would have been four games in San Diego and three games in Milwaukee. Uh, so real quick before we kind of dive into our unbridled opinions about how messed up this is. I just want to remind some people some facts real quick. So first of all, uh, a lot of arguments have been over the CBT. Uh, the top three teams for projected role, the Mets, the Dodgers, and the Yankees all are all over the current CBT of $210 million. The Mets are over it by $53 million. The Dodgers are over it by 17. And then the Yankees are over it by four. So they probably were actually like, yeah, you know, let's let's move this up quite a bit, you know, avoid some penalties. Uh, and then for a lot of teams in the month of April that have open air stadiums, some of the weather is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So it's actually beneficial for them to not even put their product out on the field for the month of April mm-hmm. because, you know, you, you get some rain outs. A lot of people aren't really going. People actually start showing up in May when the weather gets better and they're going to make up all that money then. And so there are probably some teams that are like, screw it. I don't even care. Mm-hmm. We're not going to play in April. It's fine. And then the bottom eight teams that are probably the ones fighting against a lot of these raises and player salaries for their projected payroll, those bottom eight teams are the Pirates, Guardians, Orioles, Marlins, Rays, Athletics, Diamondbacks and Royals, and then the next two teams above them, the Mariners and Twins, all those bottom 10 teams are under $100 million for their projected payroll in 2022. So Damn. they're all probably fighting against like a higher minimum salary because they don't want to spend any more money on their ball team, which they most certainly are. Uh, I don't know if you saw the latest news that just came out like yesterday, it says like 19 hours ago. Uh, they don't know who all the teams are that are opposing it, but the four that just came out were the Athletics, the Diamondbacks, the Reds, and the Tigers. <laughs> so they most certainly are fighting that. Yeah. So it's, it's a little – There, I heard the argument that there are teams who it is beneficial for them right now to just not put their product out on the field. Mm-hmm. And honestly, one of the opinions that I agreed with is uh, if you are an owner and you – one, don't love baseball, and two, just don't even feel like putting your team on the field because you want to save money and you don't want to be competitive right now because it's not beneficial to you monetarily, go ahead and resell your team. Make make some profit off of what you bought it for versus what you could sell it for. We need people that actually love baseball owning baseball teams. And, you know, maybe there are some of those teams that are at the bottom that really do love baseball and they just can't afford the higher uh, pays. We need teams that have owners that can afford to pay the players more. Like you can't put together a championship team for forty million dollars a year. It's just not feasible to pay a forty-man roster only forty million dollars. 
and make, that's a that's, that, that's a that's a grandiose i mean it's it's a good opinion but it's one of those things where it's like i mean the likelihood of the owners actually selling off their mlb incentivized investments it you know to a team because they don't care about the actual sport uh, or to another owner because they don't care about the sport i mean it's just not going to happen I, I think in this point like unfortunately there's just not a lot that we can do or anybody can do about the circumstance aside from just hope and pray that somebody comes to their senses and actually makes the right decision. And unfortunately that hasn't been the history of rich people doing right by, you know, the people that are actually invested in the situation. So it's, it's just going to be a situation where we're going to hold our, you know, hold our hats up and try to see if we can get somebody to actually give a crap. And I don't think anybody will at this point. I think at this point we're we're just gonna have to wait it out and see what happens and hope that something changes. But we all know it won't. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's a very unfortunate circumstance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my team paying out like at 110 million, raising that to 220. Like, they're not gonna do that. They will just can the entire season, especially since the Diamondbacks haven't been good since '98. Like. Mm-hmm. I struggle every year watching that. I get heartbroken. Uh, yeah. yeah it's just, it's, they're talking about re-signing Archie Bradley right now in this midst. I'm like, is there even going to be a season? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the other thing, too. I mean, it it's one of those things where, I mean, it, it affects a lot of different things, not not having, uh, you know, the first few series and then, you know, potentially the season because, you know, a, a lot of people – you know, bought the season tickets from last year, you know, all the people who are really looking forward to coming and play. And then you have like the new players who just made themselves up from the minors that were looking forward to the season. There's a lot of things that just sort of come into play when, you know, you think about why, why it's not happening. It just makes, it just makes the situation a lot more bitter than it already is because, you know, it's just not a circumstance that can't be resolved. It's just that it won't be resolved for one reason or another. So that's really the frustrating part of it. So, yeah, and I, I'll admit it, it is a grandiose idea. I wasn't trying to say it was a very feasible idea. Right. It's, it's, it's a dream world, perfect world idea that we have owners that sincerely care about this, the sport. And like I said before, the disclaimer, I, I may be wrong in my, in my belief that most of these owners don't care about the sport, but, you know, I'm not in their heads. And the other thing that they brought up is these owners aren't really putting themselves out there they're letting manfred take all the hits which is what he's paid for that mm-hmm. that is his job he is right. the the commissioner he's he's supposed to be the face of the owners but like you know when you think about other sports you think about the nba or the nfl you can name owners that sincerely love and care about their teams right and and, and love putting their product on the field so with baseball it's it i I can't really name any owners off the top of my head that have ever like even been flashed on ESPN just in a montage of their team. Like, right. Yeah. It's, it's just not a thing. I mean, yeah. I've seen it a couple of times, but it's usually just the Vince McMahon stare. just looks angry. <laughs> oh yeah. Here's my investment kind of pan out. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's also a different, uh, there's like shareholders for teams there too. Like there, there's owners and there's people that buy in as well. And a lot of it, I mean, it, it's an investment. I mean, I, I get the yeah. understanding of like, we want to have like the people who are taking care of the ownership or people who own the franchise who are supposed to be running the franchise. We want them to be on the ground level. Like we see the coaches, like we see the players, like we have that face value with them. And we have that expectation for the ownership too. The, the unfortunate part is, 
most of the ownership usually just sort of thought, hey, it'd be cool to own a baseball team just because it would be cool to own a baseball team and don't know anything about actually running a baseball team. And so uh, in that regard, it just makes the situation a lot more bitter when it comes to circumstances much like this, where we're facing a situation where it's the ownership versus the players. And it's it's one of those things where it, it unfortunately the the best interest or the most the biggest self-interest is going to always play out, especially for the people who have the most power. And, you know, with the ownership, there's just not a lot that could be done. Unfortunately, I agree with you on that front where I, I believe that we should have ownership that actually cares about the sport, not so much about how their pockets are lining out, <laughs> but that's just kind of, that's kind of the, how the country operates, unfortunately. And, and, you know, I don't want to get into that whole political tirade, but um, it, yeah. it's definitely, it, it's a different class of thinking. It's one of those things where you know, when you're in that paradigm of like, I, I need to make money, this needs mm-hmm. to work out for me. This is just an investment opportunity. It's hard to see the other side of it, unless you actually got into it with the actual passion for baseball, which some, some owners have, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, unfortunately the other side yeah. is winning out. Yeah. Well, even the ones who are huge fans, like this still is a business for them. So right. looking at it mathematically for them, they they stand a lot more uh, to gain control wise and as far as future monetary gains to just not even care about the players locking out on the season. Yeah. Like it's it's being reported even that like they didn't really even try to try to save opening day. They didn't care. Like, like okay, you want to play? Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll recruit that loss. And then, you know, the, the players still think that they can probably fit in the games that they lost, depending on how many they lose. And then the owners, you know, they got to pay, start paying back TV deals uh, after 24 missed games, if I'm getting that right. So, so far we've lost six to seven games per team. So yeah. we'll see what happens. But um, honestly, let's move on. What's yeah. that? Uh, I was just going to say that they're, they're willing to, to pay out for that. Yeah, that loss is not. But uh, that's pretty upsetting. We all know no baseball right now, at least for the majors, and we'll continue to see what happens. Uh, some players made some statements, and hoping that the fans will remain and trying to appeal to the fans, let them know that they do want to be on the field. But this is for future generations, not just for the current generation of players. Um. So let's move on to some uh, NCAA baseball. So we're, we're getting into the thick of it. Um, currently, the top-ranked teams are you got Texas at number one, Ole Miss at number two, Arkansas three, Oklahoma State four, and Vanderbilt at five. That's of February 27th voting. And this weekend, actually, UH is hosting Vanderbilt. And I went to the game last night, and let me tell you, Vanderbilt has got some heavy hitters. They deserve to be ranked number five. And then I get it. Like, you, uh, University of Hawaii is not a, a very large and attractive uh, athletic department, but um, these were some, some heavy hitters. I think there were three or four home runs off of Vanderbilt or that Vanderbilt hit, and it was ridiculous. These were, as soon as they hit it, every fan of the stadium knew that that was gone. Um, that Vanderbilt won last night 9-2. to two. So it was a 
pretty upsetting. Um, and then last weekend at the Tony Gwynn Classic in San Diego, uh, Hawaii split that series two and two, losing Friday and Saturday night and winning Sunday and Monday. They, beat, they lost to San Diego State seven to one, then lost to University of Nevada, Las Vegas, nine to three, then beat Fresno State eight to four. And then for the longest game of the season and probably the longest game in Hawaii's uh, history, they won eight to five against San Diego State, going 15 innings and lasting uh, well over six hours. Wow. So, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, it was six, hours and, <laughs> six hours and 14 minutes. Wow. Total. Like, Sounds uh, like a nonstop hit parade was what, what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, let's see, they tied 5 5 in the ninth, and then or the tying run came in on the eighth inning, didn't score anything in the ninth. And then Hawaii scored three runs in the top of the 15th. Got yep. Wow. Yeah. So sounds so like a pretty long game. game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scotty Scott is still up there with the highest on base percentage at 500 of uh, the 323 slugging and 323 batting average. Cole Cabrera is now up to 324 with his batting average. Uh, Scotty Scott's got nine runs, though, in 10 hits and one RBI. Uh, some other news in college baseball that I think is, is pretty sad. Uh, have you guys heard of Iona uh, College? Yeah. Yeah. Outscored in their six games, they uh, it's been 6 to 115. Oh, yeah, I saw that stat. Wow. <laughs> That's that's they need some help. Yeah, Yeah, they need some help, or they need some sort of Gatorade or something that's gonna you know help their performance. They need some sort of drug or something. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so floating is what they need. (laughs) They uh, they (laughs) their first two series were against Old Dominion and then number fifteen ranked Tennessee. And Old Dominion beat them four to two, then twenty-four to nothing, then nineteen to one, and then yeah. Tennessee beat them twenty-seven to one, twenty-nine to nothing, and then twelve to two. So, do they have a like a little league team assembled there or something? Is that, like I don't understand like what like how that's that is so magnificently bad that like if there isn't some sort of reorg happening in the off season. Based off of what they've seen, like they should be doing reorg right now. Like they should be finding some sort of athletic coordinator, some sort of coach or something to come in here and just say, Hey, look, uh, all of you guys are terrible and uh, we're not going to allow that to happen anymore. So it almost sounds like they're reorg if they want to do better. They can yeah. just play, they just pay old guys like us to like, you know, play drunk after work. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would probably have a better opportunity to win more games for sure. Yeah. I, I, I gotta feel I gotta feel really bad for a lot of these young guys that are playing on this team. Like you, I, I don't know if it's the team itself or maybe it's the coaches or the conditioning they've been doing or the training, but a combo a something's gotta give. And I gotta imagine that that head coach will probably not be there next year. Hopefully not. Uh, I would based on that. Bring them back on. No way. But they're definitely not the only ones who have been have 
have been subject to lopsided scores. I mean, uh, last Friday, Virginia beat Cornell 24 to nine. Uh, there was Louisville beating Dartmouth 19 to five. Um, what else? Uh, Notre Dame beating Marist 20 to two. Uh, there's, there's a lot of lopsided games, Oregon beating St. John's 23 to five. So like these early matchups in baseball are pretty, pretty rough, just like they are in any other sport, I guess. Like the earlier the matchups happen, the, the more lopsided they're going to be, but it's, it's pretty eye opening how different a lot of these programs are as far as their talent and as far as their coaching, uh, to see a lot of these scores, um, but I don't think they get any more lopsided than Tennessee versus Iona. That was that was rough, and I I my sympathies go out to all the Iona players and the fans. Uh, hopefully, in the next couple of years, y'all rebuild and get some better better options there. Hopefully, and whoever's playing on the Iona baseball team, sorry, uh, your your future is not in baseball. Um, I would suggest switching up your major. <laughs> And, uh, you know, trying something else, maybe get into accounting, uh, just, you know, whatever, whatever's out there. I mean, don't, I mean, you can't, you know, count very well either based on how you guys have been scoring. So I would probably get into some sort of business administration or something, or, uh, you know, something that doesn't have to actually require any skill. So, um, athletic I think that's, prowess. yeah, yeah <laughs> right, any sort of athletic prowess or, um, you know, overall rhythm or, uh, anything like that. So. Or you just go the OBJ route and just get angry on camera and fucking great team. <laughs> the Super Bowl, go for it. <laughs> you got to pull the uh, right. Antonio Brown and take off your jersey halfway through the game and start running through the end zone. Yeah, there you go. That'll definitely do it. Okay. Run the bases without your shirt on. Yep. Uh, <laughs> let's go over to the NBA. So real quick, the first thing I want to touch on is the Lakers' abysmal performance over the last few games. Um, it's gotten so bad that Charles Barkley won't even call them the Lakers anymore. He will just say that team from Southern California. Uh so I, I think that's uh, pretty poignant in how bad they've been doing, especially with the expectations they've had so far in the past 10 games, they went two and eight. Um, and I wanted to look into it to see how LeBron's been doing over the, and in all of those games, he was the highest score. The only time he tied was with Monk uh, against the Knicks when they won 122 to 115. They both put up 29 points. Uh, and then he averaged 27.8 points over nine games over the last 10. So you really can't blame LeBron for not trying to get this team to win. He's putting up the numbers. He's going out there. He's playing, you know, anywhere from uh, like 30 to 40 minutes a game. Like he's, he's not just not giving anything he can. But right now they're in ninth place, 27 and 35. There's 20 games left. And the seven and eight teams for the West are uh, Minnesota with at 35 and 29 and the Clippers at 34 and 31. What do you guys think it would take for the Lakers to even try and make it to the plan? Well, I I think what they need is they need Anthony Davis back dramatically. Um, But the problem with Anthony Davis, if anybody knows Anthony Davis's history is that he is uh, he's, he's kind of has glass ankles. He, he can't, 
he can't stay healthy and and he's really liability he's a big liability in the postseason i mean he he went down in the last year when they went up against the suns uh it's just one of those things where unfortunately uh the team that's structured around lebron in in la is a lot of people who are seasoned vets who are unfortunately kind of out of the out of the window of competition as far as being able to be you know electric as they used to be like Carmelo Anthony is a spot up shooter now whereas beforehand he uh he was pretty dynamite um Russell Westbrook is you know he's the running joke of the uh, of the team you know he's just one of those things where he doesn't fit very well next to LeBron because of his play style and um, it, it's a really unfortunate circumstance because everybody on the team is incredibly seasoned and is just kind of over the hump as far as their ability to be athletic and be electric and, and be the superstars that everybody knows them to be. So unfortunately, at this point in time, something has to happen as far as rotation goes. I know they cut DeAndre Jordan and I think they're bringing somebody else in, but it's it's kind of a weird dynamic. You just hope that you can sort of get yourself into some sort of playing spot and that eventually you can get a rotation that's going to work for you in the long run and get a streak going and try to make your way into the eighth seed if possible and you know win out the play-in tournament but um yeah it's going to take it's going to take quite a bit it's going to take a pretty heavy hand from lebron for them to get them into that that play-in seed so yeah i i honestly don't think it's just going to be lebron taking it either because like LeBron hasn't been LeBron since he joined the Lakers. Like, yeah. Just quite honestly, he's been slowly declining. He's trying, giving his effort, but I think even he knows that he's aging and it might not even be the full of it either. Because I, like I was saying, uh, matching him up with Russell Westbrook, you know, you're expecting these season players to kind of be somewhat explosive together and they're just not. Yeah. They can't work together. It's like putting KG with uh, Kyrie Irving. It just, you expect it to work out really great, but it just doesn't. And, no real reason for it. I don't think he has the backing of his entire team. Like it just doesn't seem like the same Lakers. No, not at all. And, and that's it's it's really unfortunate too because you know it it when when they signed everybody in the offseason, there were, there was kind of split split heads on it um, because you know they they brought in Carmelo Anthony, they brought in Malik Monk, they brought in uh, Duke Ellington, um, and so uh, you know there's there's a lot of um, or you know, I forget his name, but basically they, they brought in a bunch of other people who are going to be able to give a lot of scoring off the bench and a lot of seasoned vets. And, and I think they only have like one younger guy who was Austin Reeves. Um, and he's been playing lights out basketball. He's been, you know, hitting it from a pretty decent clip from, from beyond the arc and he's really explosive. And, and so, you know, it's unfortunate for him because he's a really good player and, you know, to, to be able to play next to LeBron and a lot of the other season vets is probably the best move for him. But it, in, in regards to like how the season is going, uh, it's just, they can't sustain It's like what Charles Barkley was saying when he was mentioning, you know, how uh, the team lost against the Lakers, they just can't sustain any sort of electricity for longer than a quarter or two. Um, by the time one half is done, they're already, I mean, <laughs> they're already out of breath, they're already winded. So it's just one of those things where uh, they they don't have, they, they just don't have the, uh, the giddy up anymore. And that's, that's kind of the reason why they're slumping. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, real quick, just to talk about uh, LeBron's declining numbers. Uh, since he joined the Lakers, 
he his average points been 27.4 25.3 25 and 28.8 so that's actually an improvement over his second stint in cleveland where he went 25.3 25 25.3 26.4 27.5 uh when you get that 28.8 season from this season but he's also been playing less games um yeah <clears throat> 55, 67, 45, and 45 so far this season. Uh, so <clears throat> I think he also had he worked a lot better when he had the old cats together. If he were to go today, like it wouldn't be the same at all. But the players he was playing with when he went back to Cleveland, like they were able to back his ass up. So him averaging that personally, like it, it's it means a little bit less because it, he had other greats that were backing him up for that too. Like he yeah. played well with Kevin Love. He played well with Kyrie Irving. He just—it was him versus the Warriors, and I think he was expecting that again when he went to the Lakers because it—he—he uh, he was voicing out quite a bit when when the Warriors signed Kevin Durant, and they had just like a full roster of just superstar starters. And I think he wanted to try to replicate that, and he started with like seasoned vets, and it kind of just didn't work for him. Also, just to recoup. Uh, what I would, or recant what I just said. He, the Duke Ellington is not on the team. It's Wayne Ellington. Sorry, Duke Ellington's a <laughs> composer. <laughs> I, I was about to say, uh, Duke Ellington, the jazz guy. Yeah, the jazz guy. Yeah, he's jazz? he's pulling up. He's pulling up from range yeah. on, on the Lakers. <laughs> he's, he's doing surprisingly well. You know. Yeah, they they went so old. They went out and got Duke. You know. That's yeah, <clears> he had rhythm. Down, I was. <laughs> Every time he makes a basket, he whips out his trumpet and just starts playing. That would be amazing. If I ever see a base a basketball player hit a three-point shot and then pull out a, a flute or something and just start playing that shit right there, that's the last I'm ever going to watch basketball. That's it. That's the only thing I ever needed to see. <laughs> I've seen everything That's the now. top. <laughs> All right. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about with the NBA, um, a couple nights ago, the Spurs and the Wizards going into overtime and scoring 157 to 153. Uh, just the fact that this game was that high scoring. Um, close. Do, do you want to, what would you say? Is that bad defense or just really great offense with those high scores? Really great I mean, offense. Yeah. Look at the highlights of the game. It just seemed like really intense offense. Really it was great back offense, to yeah. back on each other. They kept coming back like, they didn't give up any quarter the, the entire time. They kept high scoring, and the Wizards would answer and pull ahead, and then the Spurs would answer and pull back ahead. I, I think that's just how that happened. And for it to tie, yeah. and over, tie and drive them to overtime on that high score, too, that was just amazing. Yeah, DeJounte Murray is 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 honestly a, a star, dude. Like, that that kid is amazing. Like, everything, every time I watch him play, people are, you know, pretty high on John Morant. Well, every time I watch DeJounte Murray, I think he's the next big thing in, in, in San Antonio. Like he's just he can put he can put the ball in the hole pretty much anywhere, anywhere on the floor. Like it doesn't matter where he's at. He's he's a liability at the rim. And it's just this kid can fly. And so yeah, it's <laughs> he's amazing. But yeah, I think it's all I think it all just uh I think it's all just offense in that game i don't think there was a i don't think there was any sort of defensive rotation that could have slowed anybody down so when it comes to like 150 point games especially on both sides of the end uh, both sides of the coin that's just a purely this is an offensive situation where everybody's just hitting buckets at a consistent clip and nobody's i mean nobody can stop it so 
You just hope that you yeah. outscore your opponent at that point. <laughs> uh, like the top three scorers for the Spurs had 32, 31, and 28. Uh, and then for the Wizards, you're looking at 36, 24, and 22. So who, who were the uh, top scorers for the Spurs? So at 32 points, Johnson at 31, Murray, oh, wow. and at 28. I don't even know if I'm going to say this name right. Pottle? P-O-E-L-T-O. Jocka Pirtle. And then for the Wizards, uh, 36 points, Kuzma. And then 24, Caldwell Pope. And 22, Neto. Or Neto. Let me say that. Neto. So, yeah, I wish I could have actually watched that game. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't. But that had to be pretty exciting and pretty intense, honestly. Uh, great game to go to. Oh, yeah. Also, too, uh, LeBron is playing against Steph Curry tonight. Um, yep. At 5.30 Pacific Standard. So, that will be Excited fun. for that. You know one of them's going to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good matchup between those two because LeBron yeah. just admits that, you know, Steph Curry has his number and then, you know, Steph Curry doesn't even acknowledge LeBron half the time, so. Yeah, he's just like I'm just playing ball. It's like it's like his his answers to interviews are kind of like the Forrest Gump of basketball. I know he's a smart guy, but every now and again he's just like, you know, I just, just went on the floor and I, I played. What yeah. do you do next time? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go play. Uh, and then it's funny too when they lose the game, he's just like, you know, we just gotta get better and we just gotta play. We just gotta play better. Uh what do you think about this, Stefan? Well, we we just uh we just gotta play better. And we got to get better at playing. (laughs) It's funny that LeBron mentions that Curry has his number and gives like no no acknowledgement to Draymond Green ever. He's always he's always the one getting him angry as a defensive monster. Yeah, well that's because (laughs) that's because uh, you know Steph Curry. I mean, people talk about Steph Curry a lot more than talk about Draymond. They always ask LeBron about about Steph versus. Uh, when they ever, I don't think they really ever ask him about Draymond unless Draymond makes some sort of controversial comment about him or do something that regards him. But they do often ask LeBron about Steph, especially during the All Star game. They ask him about it, and he's just like, oh, "I can't believe I was playing with Steph Curry." And it, you know, it's just one of those things now where uh, it, it's it's kind of interesting how the dynamic is sort of shifting between Steph and, and LeBron where now people are like wanting them to be on the same team versus how people wanted them to play against each other for the longest period of time and see who the better player was. And uh, now they want them to team up, which is kind of strange, but I mean, it, it wouldn't look like it would have looked like four years ago had they had teamed up and it probably wouldn't have even looked that great anyway. I mean, <laughs> but who knows? Uh, well, I just think it's I mean, important. I mean, now that LeBron's like admitting that Curry kind of has his number and yeah. being a little more humble about it rather than just in league and competition, I feel like right. putting them together, they might actually work together. Yeah. Be, it'd be a nasty combination for sure. But I, yeah, I, I, also, I, don't, I don't know how many years LeBron has left in him either. He has as many years as it takes to get uh, Bronny into the league. That's how many years he has. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, got to get his legacy going, you know? Yeah, he's got to get his, he's got to get his family involved. Has to get Space Jam 3 going. <laughs> no. That's not happening. All right, uh, and then we got Harden joining the uh, 76ers. And 
So far since he's joined, they've won every game they've played. Yeah, there's a good pickup with James Harden. And apparently some people interpreted uh, Embiid's statement on Harden joining the team and his reaction to slightly being a diss toward Ben Simmons. What do y'all think? Uh, I, I think that Joel Embiid has uh, he's been he's always been very open about uh, or at least open about how he feels about other th- teams and players. And uh, I, I don't think he it, it could have been like a slight little nod or whatever. But I think at this point, um, I, I think we all know how Joel Embiid feels about Ben Simmons. I mean, after they lost that series last year, he went out and said, you know, pretty much that it was Ben Simmons fault in a post presser. So, you know, I, I think that the whole Harden and uh, Joel matchup, I think it's uh or, or, you know, the, the combination of the two or the pairing of the two is, is, is something where it's like, you know, they're, they're both excited to play with each other. They think it's going to be a really great thing. And so that excitement sort of leads over to their success. And I think when you're excited about a new thing, sort of hopping in, you sort of, you, you sort of, think about the stuff that happened in the previous engagement you had in the previous pairing. And so I think in his circumstance, he probably was saying, Hey, you know, Harden gives us more than Ben and it was probably a slight and it could have been directed towards Ben, but who cares? You know, I think Ben is in a happier situation now. I think he's, he's playing next to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and he's playing in the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, once he actually gets on the floor and something happens, he's going to be, He's gonna. He, I think he's gonna play a lot better and have a better success than than Joel. I, in my opinion, but I, it could be directed to Ben, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I was about to say, is he, is is Simmons even playing yet? So far, all I've seen is him in street clothes on the sidelines, like yeah. not even dressed out in uniform. Like, yeah, it's it's a. So I think he's still um, undergoing some 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 sort of mental distress. Uh, I think they're still sort of ramping him up, but I think he's he's in training or whatever. But the problem with the when you've been out for a long period of time and you haven't played, you haven't played a game this season. Uh, they need to rep him up and they need to get him into game shape. And that usually takes a little bit of time. So I think probably what's happening now is that they're just trying to make sure that a, he's comfortable enough mentally to step on the floor and B he's in game shape. Uh, you can't just, you know, put him out on the floor as is in, in, a, in a Jersey and just say, Hey, go score us 20 or 40, you know? Right. Just, so not, I guess, not, not unless you're Clay Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess even, my argument there would be uh, like, so I just pulled up the, the roster for uh, the Nets and it shows their salaries. Mm-hmm. And Ben Simmons is the third highest salary. You've got Kevin Durant at 42 million, uh, Kyrie Irving at 35, and then Ben Simmons at 33. And I agree that you should make sure he's mentally and physically healthy. But I think a better look instead of him just sitting there in street clothes would at least be him dressed out. Like he doesn't have to play but at least have him dressed out so that he's, he's repping, he's got the Nets colors on, he's there for his team, he's supporting his team in that way. I think that'd be a better look than just sitting there in your jeans and your sweater and, and, and like personally. But, I mean, and at the same time, I don't want him going out if he's not mentally and physically ready either. He shouldn't do that to, to hurt himself or anything like that. Like, definitely be healthy, but – have a better look while you're trying to get healthy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh I think the team 
is mostly just concerned about him being on the sideline. I mean, even if he's not playing, I mean, it, that's the same circumstance with like yeah. any other team. They, they, if your superstar is not playing and he can be sort of a moral support figure, um, you know, I think they would take that rather than, you know, obviously not him not being there, of course, but I agree with you. I think, you know, just to sort of look like you're committed and ready to play and you're part of the project, you know, at least just put yourself in um, the same uniform as everybody else and just, you know, be there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it also kind of shows whether or not he – a little bit of progress on his mental stability, you know, because, like, mm-hmm. if he's really, really not ready, like, that might be his choice to be in street clothes. So, like, no one's expecting him to spontaneously hop on the floor because he's dressed out. Like, he has the possibility of it. Maybe right. he's just squashing that. So, I mean, it, Clay Thompson, when he was on the sidelines for the longest time injured, he, every time he was dressed out, he's like, I'm, I'm going to play. I'm going to play. And they're just like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe he's not mentally ready entirely yet. And he's just like, nope, I'm not going to play. Yeah. All right. I'm... So. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I, uh, I wouldn't, you know, if, I, if I'm not going to go out there and play, I'm not going to dress up like I'm going to go out there and play. I think that's more of like a mental thing too, for some players where it's like, all right, well, if I'm not, yeah expected to be out there i'm not going to put my jersey on just mostly because i don't want to get into that mindset of possibly being checked in if i'm not going to be checked in you know so i think that's some part of it probably uh you know who knows right. I, I get to support though you, you could well at least wear the colors or something huh? yeah something like that um so so far at the top of the NBA, we've got the Heat, Sixers, Bucks, and Bulls for the top four spots in the East, and the Suns, Warriors, Grizzlies, and Jazz in the top four spots in the West. Who do you think's making it all the way to the finals? Give us some predictions. Uh, in the East, I think the Bucks are going to do a repeat, uh, mostly just because um, they haven't really been at full strength the entire season and they've been able to compete. I mean, they, they, they play well when, when Giannis is obviously playing, they play terrible when Giannis is not playing, they finished the same seed last year as they're finishing this year. And they made a pretty deep run. As soon as they got into the playoffs, Drew holiday is the missing component to the big three there with Chris Middleton, Giannis. Uh, they were missing Brooke Lopez for a good portion of the year, and it looks like he's getting some reps in now, and he's coming back after you know a significant back situation. So, with the shifting of Harden getting acclimated in Philadelphia, the situation with KD going back with with the Nets, the situation with the Bulls being a brand new team trying to figure it all out, Miami Heat has always you know they're either they're either they're they're, they're either going to win it all or choke in the first round. Is really no in between. So. I personally think I have a hard time betting against Giannis just because that team yeah. is, is, is really stacked. And Giannis is like, he's won a chip already. He has the experience. Uh, so I think he's, he's a favorite to win it back. And if I had, if I had to bet money on it, I would say that he would either make it to the conference finals or all the way in the West. Um, it's either the Warriors or the Grizzlies. Uh, the Suns are missing Chris Paul for the next four weeks, I think, now at this point. He has a six- to seven-week injury with his thumb. Uh, so they're not going to get him back until the second series in the playoffs, which means they're going to have to win the first round without him. Um, so that's kind of a bummer. And and also, Chris Paul has not uh, – he's been a notorious uh, choke artist when it comes to the postseason do as well. So – 
I think that at this point, it's going to be between the Memphis Grizzlies or the Warriors going all the way. Uh, the Jazz are always a non-factor. Um, the Clippers, they are missing their two big pieces in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So, uh, you know, they're they're kind of going to compete in the play-in. And then there's also the Lakers who are not a contender as well. So I think that um, between all the teams that are stacked up right now, I think the Warriors and the, and the Bucks have the best shot of meeting up in the finals. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think it's going to be Curry and Giannis, yeah. Uh, yeah, any Giannis is just a superstar, to be quite honest. Like, I'm a huge Warriors fan, and I would love to back my team and just, yeah, Curry all day. But Giannis just shows something else when he's on the on the court. Like, you can't stop that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, just some numbers throughout there. Uh, the Suns are still the top of the league at 51 and 12, but the two, uh, longest win streaks right now are both at five and that's the Sixers in the East and the Clippers in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so we got what, like 20 games or so left to play before we get to the playoffs. So it should be a pretty fun and interesting next couple of weeks for the NBA. Yeah. Uh, Last league to cover for us today, the NFL. You guys got anything there? Calvin Ridley has broken his silence. <laughs> Calvin Ridley went on uh, on Twitter and posted, you know, football is life. And uh, one of the Falcon uh, insiders reached out to him and, 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 and sort of like responded to his tweet and said uh, sort of, is it, you know, as like a joking type thing. And then, yeah. Calvin really responded, I don't even know you. So now people are speculating that Calvin Ridley is going to be traded away from the Falcons. And they're thinking that, and, you know, and I don't think it's going to happen, but there have been people who have drafted up these reports now in Atlanta to say that Amari Cooper is going to be swapped with Calvin Ridley. And I am here to tell you right now, that's not going to happen. So let's stop making that report because it's not going to happen. So, Yeah. That's all I yeah, say. I saw those same reports. <laughs> Mario Cooper is not going to land in a Falcon jersey. Not, not only do they not have the money to pay him, but that would require them to give give up a draft uh, capital and also uh, some player in compensation, which if it's not Ridley, it would have to be JD, Grady Jarrett or somebody of, of equal compensation. And I think they're going to extend Grady Jarrett and keep him on the team because they have no other options. They don't have any other cap situations that they can move around unless they're going to cut Matt Ryan. But even if they cut Matt Ryan, they're still in cap hell until further notice. Yeah. So, yeah, not going to happen. So, Andrew, you got anything to add there? I mean, there's not much except the combine going on at this point for NFL. Yeah, there's there's – there's not much going on in the NFL. It, all the talk to is still really just centered around where Aaron Rodgers is going to go. Yeah. And, God damn it. and he still officially <laughs> will give zero word. I mean, like a day or so ago, he did admit that like he would really consider being on the Broncos, but everyone knows that already. Like the top three that people think he's going to are the Broncos, Pittsburgh or Tennessee. And surprisingly the one left out that I still think is a huge contender is Sam Fran, just because he voices how much he wants to be in California all the time. 
Uh, does San Fran need him? No, I don't think so. Yes, they do. Would <laughs> I don't I, no, I don't think so. No, they don't need a veteran. They need to get Trey Lance up and start just focusing on a quarterback that they're gonna have for a while. I think San Francisco doesn't know any of what they need, and I don't think we can really pinpoint entirely what they need because they keep going back and forth every year. It's been like that the last 10 years. I can tell you, I can tell you what they need. They need they need Aaron Rodgers in there so that Trey Lance can learn how to win next to Aaron Rodgers. And then after they win the Super Bowl, Trey Lance can walk in there with the Super Bowl ring and say, Hey, I'm a Super Bowl ring quarterback under uh, Aaron Rodgers and Kyle Shanahan, and we're gonna get this done. Okay, yeah. fine. One season. One season of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> if he Maybe. wins a Super Bowl anywhere else, he's going to retire after that. So, I don't yeah. think he's coming yeah. back. Like, um. The point being, like, they don't I, – I still don't think they desperately need him. I don't think they're going to go to him and say, hey, come over here. I think – Right. But I also think that any team he says, hey, can I come over here, no one's going to turn him away. Um, but, yeah, it, it's the same – it's the same rumored teams that we all keep talking about and – that's that's the only statement he gave. He's like, I would go to these teams possibly. And we're like, oh great, we already know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's really nothing going on in the NFL yet. There's right. just there's, there's um, a lot of speculation, and that's that's like the, the we're we're at that point now in the off season where there's a lot of people who think things are going to happen who are like, oh, this is, well, you know, we heard reports about this or you know this person's been talking to this person, but we're not we're not that point we're not at the point yet of off season where um, people are going to start, you know, making actual moves. Uh, the other one too is Kyler Murray. That whole situation. I don't know if you guys saw where he got his uh, agent to release like a whole statement saying that, like, and it was like a really lengthy statement basically, but it sort of suggested that Kyler Murray was entitled to some sort of like thirty million dollar compensation or something because of some reason. And right, I think it was because the, of the success of the you know, the, the Cardinals, but they had a good season and they lost. Yeah. And so I think, uh, the Arizona Cardinals are like, you shouldn't die. Like what, like, like we'll pay you when we want to, like, why, like, like, thank you for your help and getting us to the playoffs last season, but it's not like you won us a Super Bowl or. Right. And until um, the player takes them to Super Bowl, the Cardinals aren't going to give you anything. Yeah, like, why? I mean, they have no reason to. It's just like Cardinal fans are ruthless too. Like every year, my uncle's telling me he's like, "Oh, we got got this new guy looks real, looks really good. They're going to make it a Super Bowl." And then like game two playoffs gone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, where uh, are they, bro? <laughs> that's that's Arizona in a nutshell, though. A lot of the, a lot of sports yeah. teams in Arizona always just seem to flail out in the postseason for some reason. They just can't go all the way that's, i take offense to that sir that's not true the diamondbacks never flail they're consistently bad <laughs> <laughs> they don't We're even not. sniff a postseason so yeah there you go uh before we close i just want to reinstate or share one of my favorite quotes that i saw this week about aaron Rodgers, and that is that he is the pretty girl that has to be told that she is pretty all the time yeah with all the attention that he's been getting so, yeah you know. <laughs> I spent a with that hair. He's the LeBron James of football right now, as far as his character goes. He's trying to he's trying to build an, a legacy and an empire, and that's that's his main goal. Not really football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we got anything else for uh, for this week? We've covered covered all our bases pretty much. I don't think I've got anything else to add. Not really. 
there's there's literally nothing going on right now. Yeah, it's kind of a dry spell. Yeah. Yep. So, baseball fans, hold out hope. Football fans, you got about seven weeks before the draft. And for basketball fans, we're getting closer and closer to the finals. So, once again, thanks to everybody who's listening. If uh, if you got any suggestions for us on what we can do better, feel free to reach out to us. We're open to learning. Um, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace. Mm-hmm. Uh.